0: Good evening and welcome to Knowledge is Power Podcast Live. We're here today with our guest, Joseph Trahan. Uh, he's a candidate for the Texas State Representative District 22 right here in Texas. Well, welcome guys. How are you guys today?
1: Doing good.
2: That's good,
0: good, 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 good. Hey, I'm, I'm waiting on my host, LaDonna Sherwood. She's not here, so we're going to move on with the show and... Uh, uh, Francis is running late and might not be able to make it, so we're going to go into our uh, show for tonight. And tonight, uh, our special guest, again, uh, Joseph Trahan, uh, candidate for Texas State Representative District 22. Uh, hi, how you guys doing? Good, how are good. you? I'm doing good. good. I'm good. good. Okay, I'm do right. doing I got, very well. well. Well, I don't have my host here, so, but I do have my Roundtable Cash Crew here, uh, Perry Busby out of uh, uh, Plantation, Florida. <laughs> you just had to
3: say that. I know that. <laughs>
0: and I have a uh, Terry Roy, uh, who's a uh, part of the crew, and Trisha Primode, who's joined us lately. So we're going to get right back into what we do every every week, and that's to bring you the latest from of uh, what's going on here in Southeast Texas. So we'll be right back in about 30 seconds. Knowledge is Power podcast live with your host Tony Redford and my co hosts Madonna Sherwood and Francis Lockins.
1: Knowledge is Power podcast live starts now. How's the
0: Treyhead? How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Great, How are all of you, you doing? Great. I'm great. We wonderful. Good to have you here it's been with a, us it's here. it a, awesome.
4: a busy day of campaigning from block walking to attending events. And so I apologize for my, but I'm always on the grind.
0: That's okay. That's what you have to do if you want to make it. <laughs> That's the way you want to do. So, uh, Tricia, would you kind of, um, lead us off here? I'm not, a, I'm going to jump on you real quick. So I'll just ask Trish right now. Hi,
5: That's, Joseph. How are you?
4: I'm doing very well. How are you?
5: I'm good. Thanks. Um, I'm just gonna jump right in because it's a big topic that I, I do a lot of talking and advocating for. Um, flood my ga- my, uh, mitigation, What what is your views on that and what, what are your goals?
4: Well, first and foremost, I'll tell you that um, the two entities within the District 22 uh, that have a lot of oversight and influence over the projects that uh, relate to uh, drainage and flood, flooding mitigation. Uh, like, for example, detention ponds, creating larger ditches, deeper ditches, uh, as well as um, raising um, property levels, is going to be drainage districts six and seven. Drainage districts six and seven rely heavily on state funding uh, that is appropriated during each legislative session. And so for me, I'm a firm believer that a state representative that I would do my dead level best to be a vocal advocate for the increase in funding for projects that benefit uh, coastal communities like Jefferson County. Uh, just this last legislative session, there was big talk about some, uh, somewhere around a billion dollars of funding that was added uh, to go towards flood mitigation issues, but that was statewide. And when you look at drainage district six and seven, one project can be tens of millions of dollars. And that's just one project in one county in the over 200 plus counties in the state of Texas. And so I do believe that we have to do a better job of increasing funding to be able to support coastal communities to improve flooding drainage issues, uh, to be innovative, to be receptive to new ways of developing uh, flood mitigation and drainage mitigation issues, uh, whether it be technological advancements, improvements to area infrastructure that we see other states or even countries utilize uh, that have a lot of natural disasters and so that is something that's actually a, a major platform point of mine is to be a major advocate for the increase in funding and support uh, for our flooding and drainage district issues to support drainage districts six and seven but beyond that whenever we do have disasters for example it, it, it oh you know, i'm getting a lot of feedback Um, Whenever there uh, are issues relating to uh, flooding or drainage, specifically when we have natural disasters, uh, it is uh, paramount that people understand that the first line of defense is going to be uh, your county governments, your municipal governments. That's like the sheriff's department, uh, commissioner's court, city governments. If a city or county does not have the resources or capabilities and they need more assistance, then they increase the level Uh, to the state of Texas, for example, uh, the uh, Department of Emergency Management. And if we need more assistance from there, if they don't have the resources or the tools that we need, or if they're not um, adequate enough, then you go up another level. And that's where the federal government comes in. We, We hear of entities like FEMA, but also there was federal legislation that was passed some years ago that allows for other states surrounding the state of texas for example to be able to provide assistance as well so there's a lot of opportunity to receive assistance during disasters uh but you're but to kind of go back a little bit with flood mitigation it starts with adequate funding for our programs as well as effective communication strategies where we are working through my office as the state representative diligently to be an advocate and intermediary between the federal government as well as the local governments to ensure that communication lines are open and to know what exactly it is that we need uh, to improve our situation here in Jefferson County, because again, Harvey, Imelda, uh, that was something that was unprecedented. And so, I want to make sure that I can be of use as best I can uh, in that area. Thank
1: you. Okay, Joe. I um, see it says where you're going to fight. You know, to have better jobs. You know, for maybe not just Beaumont, but for the district that you cover. What are some of the things you have in mind to uh, to do to bring jobs? You know, might like to Beaumont and things like that.
4: Thank you so much. We're, we finally got internet connection uh, on the actual computer. Uh, could you please repeat your question? I was in the transition because I wanted y'all to be able to see me and, and be a little bit more professional.
1: Okay, it says that you you know part of your platform is jobs. And, yes. you know, we, we live in an area that, you know, jobs are scarce, especially out here in Beaumont, you know, like it's hard to even get a job to bring two, you, you know, to employ 200 people at a time out here. What are some of your goals in trying to get that done? Well, first and foremost,
4: a lot of what I see in other communities like Travis County, where I went to the University of Texas at Austin or even Harris County or even Dallas is that their elected officials, including the state representatives, are dogged advocates for economic development in the community or rather the constituency that they represent. Uh, There are numerous corporations, whether they be new startups or uh, legacy uh, entities that are choosing to move to the state of Texas because we don't have um, an income tax and they like the expansive land developments that we have uh, and the in the friendly nature of business. And so for me, I think from a Jefferson County perspective, the state representative and his or her office has to be more effective and um, uh, proactive in making sure that we have a good working relationship with not only the city of Belmont, because your question was specific to Beaumont, uh, but also the Chamber of Commerce and the state legislature. Uh, being someone who is willing to utilize that position to reach out to organizations and companies that are considering to expand to request private meetings, to, to be willing to provide tours of the community and to educate on the strengths that we have as a district of 22, because the district 22 encompasses, of course, Beaumont, but also Port Arthur, uh, Groves, Nederland, Port Natious, Cheek and portions of Finette. And so with that, um, we have the I-10 corridor, which goes straight through the city of Beaumont. We have the port of Beaumont. We have the nation's uh, energy sector that is spending billions upon billions of dollars, not only in existing infrastructure, but in, but in developing new infrastructure. And so being able to be, as a state representative, a dogged advocate for our strengths and be willing to go out there and compete against the cities of Austin and Houston and letting people know That as a state representative, I'm someone that is pro business, someone that believes that we have to do a better job of making sure that we are advocating for corporations that are moving in. That if they're going to receive tax abatements, we have to make sure that we're holding them accountable and that they're hiring local people to be able to utilize those open positions rather than individuals uh, coming out from our area, getting a paycheck, and then leaving a mass exodus into other counties or states taking their dollars with them uh, and not doing much to invest in our own community. And so in summation of that, it's being a dogged advocate, being visible, being willing to put an ear to the ground, know what companies and industries are looking to expand and going to them, not waiting for them to come to us, not ceding the opportunity to cities like Austin and Houston, but saying, look, here in Beaumont, Texas and Port Arthur, we have a number of strengths, as I've just Uh, and that's what really I think is is desperately needed is an advocate at the state level to promote and be a cheerleader for our area and work effectively with our local governments uh, to expand economic development opportunities uh, to go beyond just the petrochemical ind- industry, but also within the industry itself, making sure that we're holding them accountable because places like Beaumont and Port Arthur, if we're going to provide them tax abatements, if we're going to offer up them our land, we need to make sure they're being held accountable and training and hiring the people that live in our community. Uh, to
5: up in that, I have a little bit of a question. Tell us a little bit about what the uh, area is that your particular district encompasses and what the office actually entails. Because oftentimes we're speaking over people's head. We're talking about state representative and they don't really understand what the job entails, what, who are, who's being represented and what all are we allowed to do and not do and how we're going to be accountable for the job that we're doing.
4: So I'll say that with the Office of State Representative, the traditional idea of a state representative is someone that goes to the Texas legislature every other year for 140 days to debate on legislation, whether you introduce it, whether you co-sponsor, that directly impacts all people of the state of Texas. And those issues can range from public education, public health care, flooding and drainage issues, as well as voting rights. Uh, and a whole gamut of of things that directly impact our everyday lives. And so beyond that, 140 days in a legislative session, the governor himself can actually call for special sessions. And many of us remember very clearly, we had all these legislative sessions in which there were special sessions because he continued to want to perpetuate things uh, legislatively that I think were adverse to the interest of most Texans and averse to people that identify with the Democratic Party. Beyond that, uh, I think that the Office of State Representative has to do a better job of being visible in the community that he or she represents. It's not enough just to be elected and then go on to Austin and say, oh, I'm working on committees and we're passing legislation. That's great, but you have to be held accountable and you have to be receptive to the people that put you in office in the first place. And so when I was chairman of the Jefferson County Democratic Party, I made it a point of being visible and active, accepting people's invitations to go to events, making sure that we were hosting events ourselves, town halls, public rallies, the news media, to educate on what was going on in Austin and making sure that people had an opportunity to voice their concerns and the issues that they think that should be advocated for. So we have that legislative aspect that I mentioned. We have the visibility aspect. But one more that I want to do differently with state uh, state representative is to build the local Democratic party, because I am, after all, a Democrat, and that seat that I'm running for is predominantly Democrat voters. Uh, we have to make sure that it's not just me that's in the state legislature, but that we have a county commissioner's court. We have local government entities and office holders that are on one accord that can work effectively together. Because once you work through committees, pass legislation, pass funding, you go through the appropriations and those funds are distributed, county commissioner's court has influence over those funds that impact our county. So too do our municipalities, our city governments. And so there, there's the traditional idea of the legislative aspect, which is not rocket science. It's something that, um, that is doable, something that I am more than capable of accomplishing, but I'm gonna go a step further and be visible With the educational aspect and receptive to my constituents and also build a local Democratic party.
0: Eric. Hi, Joe. Joe. Hello, sir. How are you? We've met
2: met virtually before. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. As a matter of fact, we met when I was down there for the mayor's. Yeah, Mayor. uh, Mayor I met you at John's Library. Right, right. So yeah, again, it was a pleasure to meet you. Um I so much you you you've done uh, quite a bit to enhance participation in the Democratic Party in Jefferson County. Um That of course will take a take a hit if you uh win this race uh what is it uh that drove you to this i mean I, i've I, i've seen you be begin to help bring new visibility to the party and so uh for me i'm just trying to understand all these moving chess pieces right
4: as you will so uh, I was actually planning on running for re-election as chair of the party. Uh, my, one of my last major public events was the Blue Gala, uh, in which we had uh, nearly 500 people in attendance. We hosted James Clyburn, the House Majority Whip, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson, and Congressman Al Green. And during that time, I was of the mind that I was going to run for re-election and continue a lot of the record-breaking progress that we made. And it wasn't just me. I happened to have been in that leadership position, but had a great people around me that were making it work. Uh, and Joe Deschatel himself, Representative Deschatel, was there, gave some great remarks, but made no mention of any thought uh, of not running for re-election. In fact, I was gearing up and getting excited about him running for re-election and what that could mean for our down-ballot candidates in the midterm election. Fast forward a, a couple of weeks after our blue gala, he would announced that he was no longer going to run for re-election. And so in that time, when it was made, uh, when it was made note that it was going to be an open race, that was a seat that I had been working towards and planned to actually run for overall. I thought there was going to be more time because I think that we could we had a lot more that Joe Dechatel could give. I respect his choice. You know he's engaged to a beautiful woman. She's a successful businesswoman in Houston. Uh, his son, Joe Jr. lives in Austin, very involved in the Democratic Party there. They're expecting their first grandchild. So I understand his reasoning. So when he announced unexpectedly to many Democratic officials that he was not gonna run for reelection, I had to pray, I had to reflect, and I had to go back to my family and friends to determine if this is something that I should take on. Uh, You know, the local Democratic party, when I took over, uh, our bank accounts were in the negatives. There was no lease secured for the headquarters, and we had not been that active uh, for uh, quite some time, at least one to two years. Uh, And so when when I was sworn in, uh, that was a few months before the most important election of my lifetime, which was to get Donald Trump out of office. Uh, And despite the short time period during my tenure, we were able to raise over a quarter of a million dollars, host dozens of events, reelect all of our local Democrats, bring uh, Beto O'Rourke, uh, who's running for governor. Joe Jaworski Who's running for attorney general, uh, bringing high level people, as I mentioned, like Al Green, Sheila Jackson Lee, um, James Clyburn, securing the lease for our headquarters, improving the, our monthly giving, improving our communications, being on the news constantly and being a proud champion for the Democratic Party. That's where my heart is. Uh, but with this news and it being an open seat, I knew this seat was not going to come open again for at least another decade. And I was not going to sit out on this. I thought if I could do an effective job as chairman of the Democratic Party and make record-breaking accomplishments, imagine what I could do at the state level. Uh,
5: In a short amount
4: of time. And so uh, with that, it, there was a lot of thought. But I do disagree with the notion that the Democratic Party is, it, is not going to continue to grow. We have to look at the state representative seat beyond what we have seen it to be. The legislative aspect is important. But there is a great deal of work and benefit that one can have with using the state legislature seat for growing the local Democratic Party. There is no limit to the amount of money that I can contribute as a state representative for my campaign account to donate to the local Democratic Party. There is nothing that says that I cannot be here in Jefferson County most of the time rallying our troops, engaging our base and supporting people like Carolyn Guidry, who's running for county judge. Can do it. So. Uh, we have to think outside the box and broaden what we have come to expect from the state legislative seat. Uh, Because again, I'm not gonna be in Austin forever and all of the time. We have a legislative session every other year, 140 days plus the possibility of special sessions. But I'm gonna live here, I'm gonna be active here, and you're gonna see me just as you have as chairman of the Democratic Party. And I have full faith in the ability of Ava Graves, our chairwoman, our precinct chairs, to work with me on one accord to get out the vote, not only in the midterms, but beyond that.
5: Um, and i just like to add one thing. Um, what he's saying is the state representative job doesn't just represent a state representative job, but he's looking forward to down-ballot candidates that he can help Gonna support money, effort, and energy that previously really had not been done. So we could use that state representative seat to broaden the base of the local Democrats. Am I understanding that correct? Yes, yes. Make sure you break it down so that the food dare not error. Um, I have a question, another question. Um, Healthcare. What are your what is your position on healthcare and what do you plan to do to change things?
4: Yes, uh, healthcare is actually one of my major platform points. Uh, to me, healthcare is a human right, not a privilege. It shouldn't be dictated based on your zip code or what your affluence is or what your race is. Um, in the state of Texas, we are among the bottom uh, nationwide for quality of healthcare, accessibility to healthcare and, and affordability to healthcare. In fact, we're number one in th- this union for the number of of uninsured Texans, uninsured Americans, excuse me. One of the major issues that we experienced, and many of you may recall, is when President Obama had pushed through the Affordable Care Act, Republicans coined it as Obamacare, there was the expansion of Medicaid to all of the states. But states had a choice of whether or not to accept those Medicaid dollars. And Governor Greg Abbott and a number of the Republicans in the state legislature uh, chose to reject it. And as a consequence, there are hundreds of thousands of people who would qualify to be insured by the federal government that do not have that access because of the, uh, the blocking of Medicaid expansion. There's also been, in my opinion, a lack of due diligence and proactiveness when it comes to the state government educating state uh, constituents on the open market exchange. That's a part of the Affordable Care Act in which people that have the money to be able to pay premiums can enroll in the open market process. The state of Texas was one of those states that did not put enough money advertising and effort into educating people that qualified to be able to enroll in the open marketplace. Um, to me, when we talk about healthcare, we also have to talk about mental health. Uh, that's something that's also close to heart. and something that I will be a proactive member of the state legislature on advocating for. Uh, mental health is something that's impacted a number of people in my family. Um, I myself, when I was younger, dealt with depression, suicidal ideation. Uh, And so I'm I'm familiar with the system and I'm familiar with really the lack of accessibility. Uh, When it comes to funding, when it comes to adequately paying our psychiatrists and psychologists, the state of Texas is not competitive when compared to other states. And part of it is because the state legislature has not done an effective job uh, over the last couple of decades in adequately funding health care in general um but also mental health is something that's gone by the wayside and that is what impacts uh you know people that are uh, addicted to barbiturates uh painkillers uh they go on all sorts of kind of drugs as a coping mechanism because they are not educated enough or have the health insurance or accessibility to be able to get the treatment that they need right and so i do believe as state representative i will be a vocal uh, proponent for reversing the decision that was made to not accept federal dollars to expand Medicaid. I'm also someone that believes that we have to invest more in community health clinics and and educating people through advertising and promotions and community events, the open enrollment process, so that we can maximize the number of constituents here in District 22, for example, that actually qualify on the open market exchange.
5: Okay, thank you.
0: OK, great. Thank you. That's that's some some good information. But, you know, I, I want to take just quick 30 second break and let everyone know that our knowledge is power podcast is we're on every Sundays and Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. And it's a platform to share important information on educating the Southeast Texas African-American communities with valuable information on health, education and financial politics and business. And usually I we, we kind of go over that for a little bit. Uh, but we also want to make work aware that we are also live on uh, Facebook, Spotify, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, Apple, iTunes, and Google Play. And if you're on YouTube, please click the red button, uh, and to subscribe to us. I've got Unk here today with us. Unk, uh, is uh, hey, tell everyone uh, hello. Good evening. All uh, right, I don't Where's know if y'all
3: you can you
0: hear me. You have a question you'd like I to mean. ask? Are you up next?
3: What's going on, Joe Man?
4: What's going on? Long time to oh, see. Man.
3: I know, right, I know, right? All is well. What man. You been All up well. Man. Um playing politics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
5: for uh real. For real
3: though. No, I, I've really been I've really been involved in uh heavily in my neighborhood association and uh starting some other nonprofits that would accentuate uh the cause and the resources that's needed here in the area so uh that's what i've been doing i'm not really keeping my head down but just you know staying in my lane shifting when i need to different things like that um pretty much like you uh as the chair uh the previous chair of the 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 county party uh grooming individuals you know, pretty, that's pretty much it. You know, um, I myself, uh, I, I commend you uh, for taking this step, especially running for a state office, um, something of importance, especially for Madonna, <laughs> <laughs> especially for uh, this particular district, my particular district because you are my only choice that I have um, uh, for this particular district. And and I want a lot of people to know that Beaumont has two choices as of now, but a particular district only has one, and that's uh, where I live, where I currently live, uh, Precinct 6, uh, Jefferson County Precinct 6. Um, also precinct 12, 13, uh, voting, voting precinct 12 and 13 uh, is also the area where I represent. So educating those individuals as well, Joe, letting them know, uh, you know, what voting precinct they belong to, you know, uh, educating the, the families and, 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 and you know, the, trying to get the, the, the school district to, you know, do the mock elections again so that the attention for <clears throat> um local elections will become important all over again so that's what i've been doing man that's wow. that's what i've been doing
0: <laughs> but my question is do you have a question for joe i Trey, do and i have but, a question uh, if not i do
3: i
5: do um
3: <sighs> i do want to know um uh i know a lot of people can you I don't know if you touched on it, but we're going through redistricting. Uh, could you possibly touch on uh, your area and what could be potentially affected in redistricting for your area, for, for well, the district that you're, you're actually running
4: for? Absolutely. Uh, and thank you for what you're doing in the community. The last uh, neighborhood event I attended was actually before COVID hit. I know, and right? And everything was just <laughs> kind of thrown by the wayside, it's insane. Right, right. right. Um, I will say that this last uh, redistricting uh, really favored Republicans, but we're not surprised, right? They do have the majority in the House and Senate, and they also have the majority when it comes to statewide officeholders. In State District 22, there were several precincts in the West End of Beaumont that were removed uh, from uh, 22. And so there are a number of people uh, that whenever they get their voter registration cards, and again, for the people that are watching, they're blue now. And so look out for that blue card. And on there, it'll indicate what state representative district you're a part of. And there are gonna be thousands of people who were a part of 22 that will now be part of 21, which is represented by Speaker of the House, Dave Mm Phelan. In the legislative, in the last round of redistricting, all of Port Natchez was added to the district. We have all of Groves in one precinct in Niederland, Precinct 37. There's also Cheek, portions of Finette, uh, and so there is gonna be some confusion uh, because a lot of people, again, even when they go and vote, won't realize that they no longer live in what was known as Joe Deschatel's district out the last 20 plus years. Uh, in the legislative session, what I want people to understand and take a heart with and be happy about is that with redistricting, with things like critical race theory, with changes made to our voting uh, laws, uh, with changes made to a, a woman's right to make a decision about her own uh, private uh, medical uh, life, uh, there was to me, a lot of things that went against us as a community. But, and I say, but, and with a smile, when George, Bush, George W. Bush was elected uh, as president He over 20 years ago, he won by over 20 percentage points statewide. You fast forward to 2020, President Biden lost the state of Texas by about six or seven or so percentage points. It was single digits. And so what does that tell me? That tells me that voter trends are going in the opposite direction of what they were 20 years ago and in the direction of supporting Democrats statewide in 2018 and 2020, people that ran for office lost by single digits. We are increasing voter turnout for Democrats. So it's not a matter of if, but when we take back control of the state of Texas. And so like an injured dog that's on on its way out, it's gonna bite, it's gonna howl, it's gonna do everything it can to hold on to its last moments of life. And I think that is what is taking place with Republicans in the state of Texas. And so they could do their dead level best to try and suppress the vote, to whitewash history that's taught in public schools, to take away individual liberty and freedoms from women. But time is on our side. And by the grace of God and the people of Texas, we will flip these statewide seats and we will take back the majority in the House and Senate and we'll start to see some positive changes for our community. Uh, And that's what I take confidence in. Because redistricting, yeah, we were screwed. The, when we look at uh, the census data in 2020, and keep in mind, the state, uh, the federal government and the state, they didn't do a whole lot to try and work with us and expand the amount of time that we could take in, in, in counting the census for individuals you know, because of the pandemic. And that's okay. Uh, whatever tactics they want to use. But... Uh, what we discovered is that the fastest growing populations in the state of Texas were people of color. We also had an increase in the number of young people who are moving to Texas from other states, taking on jobs who are highly educated and who happen to vote Democrat. But with the redistricting with the state house and Senate seats, it didn't reflect that. What they did was hold on, do whatever they could to splice and dice communities, to hold on to their power because those communities, those districts are not representative of the population growth in the state of Texas. That's why for those that are watching, they may not know, Jefferson County now has two congressional representatives. We were split into two congressional seats. We were also split into two senatorial districts. They're doing that because they know that Jefferson County as a whole has the votes to support Democrats. And so they're going to dilute our vote by splitting us into different communities that have a higher population of Republican votes. And that's just par for the course. That's politics. But as I said before, take heart, take confidence in knowing that their time is limited. And when you look at the voting trends, it favors Democrats. And we're continuing to close those gaps. I have another question.
5: Hallelujah.
4: Now, that doesn't mean just sit down and not vote. We have to get our asses out and vote. And we, it doesn't have to just be senior citizens, not my grandparents' era. You know, Howard Trahan, Lois Trahan, people like that that were really involved in the community. Those generations still vote. That's not who we need to target. It's people my age, people in their 20s and 30s who don't understand the importance of voting. And people like, that's why I have to give, I have to commend people like LaDonna people like AJ Turner, people like Fred Vernon, people like Stacey Lewis Jr., people like uh, Chris Bates in Port Arthur, all of these young people who are trying to engage and educate their communities who hold an elected office. We have to be able to talk in, in terms of how it's relevant to them. For example, for people that are watching that are in that age group, you may have heard that institutions like Lamar Institute of Technology, Lamar University, my alma mater, University of Texas, they were able to provide reduced rates for tuition or provide no-cost tuition for people that make whose households make below a certain income threshold. That's because of statewide funding and things that are decided on the state legislature that impact funding for public institutions of higher learning. When we talk about assistance or people that are on housing, people that rely on food stamps, many of those things are federal programs, but the state legislature, the state government is what controls a lot of that funding, what controls a lot of those requirements. It's the same thing uh, when we talk about uh, healthcare. We know, for example, as I said earlier in this segment, the federal government has billions of dollars through Medicaid expansion, but the state government is what controls whether or not the people get it. And so just because something's passed at the federal level, the state has to appropriate funds. The state has to determine what requirements are. The state is the one that determines all of that. And so it's relevant. It's relevant to how much your school costs. It's it's relevant to your housing costs. It's relevant to your public infrastructure because we don't all like to have to pay for realignments or pay for tire replacements. So when you're young and you're driving on roads and you're having to use your credit card to do that, it's the state government that dictates a lot of the funding for text dot and other entities that award funding for municipalities and, and county governments like ours.
3: I have another question if I possibly can. Absolutely. Um, so, okay, so like, um, what if possible could you do? In your in 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 that particular officer within in that capacity, what are your plans for some of the, I guess, atrocities we've been seeing here in Jefferson County? Um, with our uh sentencing of African Americans, uh, police brutality, and and um, you know misappropriations with African Americans and brown people, what are you, what measures are you willing to put in place that would hold officers within the jurisdiction of of, or or within Jefferson County that uh, would have these officers, whether they're uh, Jefferson County officers, state officers, marshals, however, whomever, judges, Uh, accountable for uh, some of the, uh, you know, things we're seeing uh, that plague our community, especially for, like I said, Black and Brown, for the Black and Brown community. And I'm not saying, I'm not talking about a particular status because uh, there's people with real large names here in Beaumont that have some, some major complaints against whether it's Beaumont Police Department or the, the happenings in the jurisdiction of Jefferson County or within your district?
4: Okay, yeah, that's that's a very pertinent question and something that's come up a lot, especially when I go and block walk and engage with voters at their home. But I will say first for people that are watching, in the state legislature, there are 150 members of the house. I will be one of 150. And so I wanna make clear that the issues that I advocate for you're electing me to be a voice, a figure to speak on the issues that matter to the constituents here at home. And so when people say, what are you going to do? I want to make clear there are, issue, there are, there are platform points and issues that I support, but it's going to take the state legislature to be able to support them. And so when I talk about uh, things like public education, criminal justice reform, health care infrastructure, I'm talking about on my end, on my side of the street, what I want to do and what I want to advocate for and negotiate with other legislators to pass. It takes more than just one legislator. And I want to make that clear with people that may not understand the legislative process. As far as criminal justice reform goes, I am someone who believes that we need to ban private prisons in the state of Texas because they are incentivized, again, for profit, uh, by the number of people who are incarcerated and housed for prolonged periods of time. I also believe that we should ban no-knock warrants in the state of Texas, not only for the safety of police officers, but also for the safety of the constituents who if, if someone is not make, making themselves known and they enter your home and you have a weapon, your natural defense is going to be, someone's breaking into my home, you pull a weapon, you end up getting shot, innocent people get killed. Uh, and, and so that's something that's not productive and something that should be banned in the state of Texas. I also believe that we should legalize uh, marijuana for recreational and medicinal purposes and and you and, and regulate it just like alcohol and tax it just the same and use those funds to be able to fund programs that we think are pertinent to assist people in the community on getting back on their feet. I also think that we should expunge the records of individuals who have been found guilty for uh, offenses related to marijuana and solely marijuana. Um, I also think that uh, when it comes to the uh, justice system, there are many, and, and, and Sheriff Zena Stevens, uh, who I believe is uh, uh, Terry, I think that's your cousin, if I'm not mistaken, I know y'all are related, but you know, she's been working hard. And one thing that she, that she shared with me is there are a number of people who are in the, the uh, county jail that are sitting there because they cannot afford to bond out. And so I think there has to be some adjustments made for that because there are people that are sitting in jails longer because they don't have the financial resources to defend themselves, get a private attorney, bail, uh, who are sitting in jail cells longer than they would if they were found guilty and sentenced. And so that is something that is on the top of mind and something that I think from a state legislative standpoint, all of those things I can have an impact on because I can be that voice in that vote to vote in favor of those changes uh, so that we can adequately support our county jails, people like our sheriff, people like our county commissioners, people like our, our police departments. Uh, that, that is a, a number of things that I am in support of in changing uh, with the criminal justice system here in the state of Texas.
1: Okay, I got a question. Um, what qualifies you to be our state rep for District 22 over, over all the other
4: candidates? Well, I'll say that out of all the other candidates, I have shown that I'm an effective leader here at home. I'm someone that from the moment I was elected has been on the grind and hustled, uh, accepted many invitations to show up and show out, to educate people, to hold press conferences, to hold various events, to go to people's homes, let them know what's going on in, in Austin, let them know what's going on in Washington, trying to empower people to take seriously their constitutionally protected right to vote. I'm the only candidate who's been elected countywide, who's been given the trust of the people, who has seen me out and about here at home. And in my opinion, if you're going to represent the constituents of uh, State Representative District 22, you should be someone that's highly visible, recognizable, and trusted to be sent to advocate for those issues at the state legislature. I'm educated, I'm qualified, I'm capable, uh, and I've shown that I don't sleep that I always make it a point of being engaged with the community. And I take the positions that are entrusted with me very seriously. And I think that we have to think outside the box, just as I did as, as chairman of the party and just as I will do as state representative, because it's a very bare minimum. The qualifications is you have to be someone who's 18 years of age or older, be a citizen of the state of Texas and run. And I'm well above that bar. And I think that that will be shown uh, on election day.
1: That's like, I I live where I live. I haven't seen anybody that that's running where I live.
4: Right. And,
1: you know, and everybody said they're visible, but they're not visible to me because I haven't seen them. And I, well, I, 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 I tour my neighborhood.
4: Yeah. One big thing for me is in the in the in Jefferson County for this campaign, there are 109 precincts uh, and I'm continuing to walk each and every precinct with the team every week. I will be in the a million neighborhood. I will be engaged. Uh, and if people do pay attention and they see a lot of the events that go on, if they're on social media, if they're on the news, they will see that I'm somebody that has been accessible, responsive, because again, my direct responsibility as state, or excuse me, as, as chairman of the democratic party was to raise funds for our party, elevate our party values, elect Democrats at the local level. And I did all of that and above. And I think that I will do that as state representative as well. Now, uh, Mr. Terry, can you speak to more on some of the, just for the public to know about the flooding and drainage issues and things infrastructurally that I know you've been advocating for uh, with the city of Beaumont. Because I, when we talk about infrastructure, I think a lot of people don't fully realize what it is that we're talking about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just like LaDonna was saying earlier, we talk in these, these, the, these high-level uh, buzzwords, but really what it means and how it impacts everyday people.
1: Yeah, infrastructure, You know, it's, it's not just really the, the county, it's the city and you know like i'm just speaking specifically for Amelia. right right now they're getting ready to do i think anywhere from 10 to 12 million dollars worth of work in a major which is you know which is good mm-hmm. but it, it was a fight to get that done and i, I you know I, I want somebody that can fight for me and not me have to fight for myself mm-hmm. because if you're elected you'll have more power in things that that i would you know and that's what I'm looking for from somebody, somebody that, that can do that. It's like we elected city officials and well, I'm not, I'm not going to even go there, but anyway, you know, well, well, I, I know and, what and you're
5: and look, you know, Mr. Roy, I'm one of those people that feel like this. Sometimes we elect people that we can't hold accountable. And one thing that I've been addressing with Joseph is, making sure that you have some tangible ways that your constituents can hold you accountable. And I told him, I said, you need to make sure that we got ways that our group can hold you personally accountable. When we elect your ass or whatever the case may be, we want to know what you did and what you're doing and what's going on. And I want to bring that report card back to my group. If I can't do that, then I don't want you. Yep. Tell them Absolutely. a little bit about the accountability portion that I've pressed upon you.
4: So many people in the community have, have expressed frustration uh, in general with the, uh, I think, lack of visibility and engagement overall. There's no one person who's at fault. It's just a lot of the entities that exist, being at the federal government, the state government and municipalities uh that 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 level of activism uh visibility and effectiveness at, at, you know among the community i think it's very important that uh you know whether people choose to support me or not or they choose to support someone else uh, that's their prerogative it's their constitutional right that anyone who's in an elective office now or previously should be able to provide you quantitative uh, proof, data of their effectiveness in their role. Period. And if they can't provide that, then you should seriously reconsider supporting them.
1: Because yeah, um, Baltimore is a city of a lot of officials that just talk. You know, I, anybody up, can talk. Know, you know,
5: talk. You know, Look, this is why I'm over here with the Jojo Del shirt on. Because my question at every forum, at every location, is how can we make you accountable what is the quantitative value that I can say I want to score you I want to grade you I want to make sure that you're accountable for the shit that you have did and if I do not like what you have going on I want to remove you and he know me he didn't just meet me this is why I am excited to be on knowledge is power podcast live because I feel like this I'm the one that's going to come and tell you, you didn't vote with us. You didn't agree with us. You didn't give the money to us. You didn't situate yourself with us, what we got going on. And I'm going to check a checkbox. See, nobody didn't talk about that all this time that we've been having these people on. I'm talking about accountability, right?
1: that's like, Absolutely. I, you know, about all the three people that, that's, that I, that's been on here, I've never heard anybody talk about infrastructure before they started running. And that's what bothers me. If you didn't talk about it before, you're not going to talk about it afterwards. That's just a fact. And I,
5: accountability. Accountability <laughs> mean I want to check your voting record. I want to check what bills did you recommend. What shit did you send to Congress?
1: What shit did you say
5: you want to be supportive of? And then I want to go back and say, did your group want that? Did the people that's in District 22, did they want that? If they didn't want that, then why did you do that? And what is your accountability? How how are you
0: representing us? Not only that, but a
5: scorecard, a Hmm? scorecard that we could use. Can someone hear me?
0: Hey Joseph, oh, can you I hear me? Hear you. Okay, okay, <laughs> not, wait. Let me ask this question. Let me ask this question. Yes, go ahead. Uh, uh, I I'm listening to the whole entire show while I'm working on other projects that's going on in our next thirty days. But I, I've got time. I want to ask you this. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe Desertale uh, was our representative in District Twenty Two for the past two decades, and. Um, has done a very fantastic job in representing us again i understand you also said that we at one time we only had we had three represented now we only have two we
4: but i want to get
0: back but i want to get back to um um to joe desertale he was our our rep for two decades and represented as well kept us informed uh and joseph you did a wonderful job at the democratic uh, uh, headquarters here and you raised the funds you structured it uh, of course, you know we we work uh, we work together on that. Uh, but I, I want to know what would you do to to uh, that Joe Justel, uh, uh didn't do, uh, what what difference would you make in, in running for uh, being our representative?
4: Well, I think that from my perspective, again, Joe Deschatel did a lot of great things. Uh, was a hard worker, uh, but I do think that moving forward that state legislative seat does need to be more visible. And not only within specific organizations or groups, but countywide, making sure that you're utilizing various platforms, just as I did as chairman of the party, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, email, text, uh, the news media, hosting town halls, listening sessions. Those are things that have actually been lacking. Uh, Some things that need to be added on uh, when you actually hear the people who you talk to, that's what they're wanting from their representative moving forward. Uh, And so that's something that is going to be different, just as the way I led the party was different from my predecessors. I will also say that with the state legislative seat, as I mentioned earlier on in this conversation, we have to do more to promote the Democratic Party and its candidates. Locally, It's not enough just for me to be state representative in Austin, Texas, if I don't have a commissioner's court, a municipal government, a sheriff's department, judges, and and the others who are on one accord, who can work together, who we can make sure that we have similar agendas and views. It has to be a team effort. And there is a great deal of influence, money, and power that comes with that seat that can be funneled here uh, to Jefferson County to be able to promote, engage, and excite people to go and vote. And so the legislative process is one thing, and that's something that will continue on, whether I'm elected or someone else. What I I do think is unique to me is, as I have shown is the importance of the visibility, education, engagement in building a local democratic party. And that has to be a part of the conversation when we choose who we want to represent us in the next 10 years, as Judge Paul Brown would say. Yeah,
0: and I have one more question that I'll let you, and we're gonna close. Uh, Ted, Perry Busby uh, asked a question earlier uh, and I'm gonna piggyback, is that I'm afraid that we're gonna have a big drop off. Wait a minute! Somebody got a waterfall going on in the background. <laughs> Is that you, Perry? <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, we we got to have a big drop off in the local uh, Democratic uh, the Party. Uh, if you are elected, that's what we're afraid of. Uh, and like you said, it has to trickle down down to the locals. And how mm-hmm. can we how can we keep that momentum that you if you are elected? How can we keep that momentum going?
4: By keeping me in another office by keeping me engaged and active and relevant in the community. But I will say is for people, we have to look at the bigger picture. The Jefferson County Democratic Party is bigger than Joseph Trahan. Yes, I was at the helm. I was the leader. I put a lot of directives in. We put in a lot of work, but it wasn't just me. There were a lot of substantial, influential, and active people that helped make things happen. Many of you are on this podcast. You know, you were there with me. And so to me, we have to rethink what we have come to expect from the state representative seat. I'm not gonna spend all my time in Austin. That's just not going to happen. I'm going to also be here, making sure that we're rallying our troops, engaging our base, holding town halls, making sure that we have enough money to be able to pay to promote our candidates, to go up against the Republican machine because that, that is what I'm about. and. You know, this idea that the Democratic Party is going to go down, it's not. I left the Democratic Party in an exponentially better shape than when I took over nearly or approximately two years ago with beyond a shadow of a doubt. And that work will continue. We have precinct chairs who have been with me. We have people who are there that are active and involved, that know me, have that working relationship. And I'm going to make sure that I do my best and I am committed to that with my word that I will continue to be as active, engaged in promoting the Democratic Party fundraising, using the the, the relationships that I have established, that other people have established to keep our machine going. Because again, it's not enough for me to be in the state house if I don't have a county, a district that I represent that's on one accord, that's with the same party, with the same values. And so I have a vested interest more than anybody else to make sure that not only at the state level do we have a Democrat in that seat, But that we have Democrats down ballot and the people that support me, people like Judge Paul Brown, former Congressman Nick Lamson, uh, Zenobia Bush, who's a former trustee, our district attorney, Bob Wortham, uh, people in a ratchet
5: group like me. Let me stop him. At the end of the day, I feel like this. And this is just my say on the whole goddamn thing. I feel like at the end of the day, you need somebody that you can rely on and depend upon that's going to go out and get into the streets.
4: But the, the, the point I was making is it is a village effort. No one office holder is God and they cannot substitute for him. It has to be someone who's an effective leader, but has the ability to build coalitions, influence others, make friends and rally people. And I think that I've demonstrated that. And I, it wasn't just in the nearly two years that I served as chair because I was required by law to resign to run for state rep. But also before that, when I graduated from UT Austin, I chose to come back here at home because I wanted to be of service to my community. And over the last four years, I've shown that. And it's something that I think most people recognize because you want to vote for who you've seen, who you can touch, who you can contact, and who you get a response from. And I do believe that I'm that candidate. Thank you, Joseph, I guess, may not, may I say too, because some people, for example, what happened? And again, it's an educational component. When you introduce legislation in the state house, you have the, what is known as the first reading, they read a caption. From that standpoint, the speaker of the house can then refer legislation to the pertinent committees. Once a piece of legislation goes to a committee. Committees are made up of Democrats and Republicans. Those that chair the committee, it's based on seniority. We have no seniority once Joe Deschardins retires. We're all freshmen. In that committee, we have to make sure that people are well aware that you can go to Austin to testify publicly. You can utilize, uh, through uh, virtual means, testifying uh to the committee if you can't physically be there. And you can also uh, submit written testimony for the record. The more people that are engaged in that committee process that are speaking to the chair by uh, co-chair and the members of that committee who are made up of state representatives, the more likely there is to be a change in perspective when it comes to what legislation is introduced is voted out of committee and goes to the calendars committee where it's then scheduled or, uh to be introduced to the entire uh, floor. Wait, I want to stop right there.
5: What he said is, what Joe gets off out of office, everybody is a freshman that's introducing legislation. It doesn't matter how long you've been there or how long you have not been there. Am I right? Make sure I want to get well, that claim. For
4: the, for the committee, Chair purposes, no freshman gets uh, appointed as a chair. But no. everybody's a freshman. Everybody. <laughs> the, with the, the point I was making out of that is there are a lot of ways in which constituents and people in District 22 can make their voices heard consistently during committees. And the committees then determine whether a bill dies, meaning it doesn't get referred out to calendars, or whether it does make it out of the committee and it goes to calendars and then it's scheduled. And then you have the second reading in which people can then debate back and forth the, the the merits of it and include within that legislation you're going to have a fiscal note that lists the financial impact to the state or what it's going to cost to implement something and you also have a lot of uh analytical data and context is added to that bill once it's introduced and so when it goes to the floor you have the second reading from the second reading you then have an opportunity to debate back and forth. People can offer up amendments; it's taken into consideration. But of and and it, you know, there's so much contention of different issues. Depending on what it is, you'll have to move to a third and final reading after the amendments have been debated, things have been added, and then you move to the vote to see if it's actually passed by the House. It's then referred to the Senate. The Senate then has to vote, and if there are differences between the House and Senate, you have to have a conference committee. In which in the conference committee, you have to figure out, iron out the differences so that you can have a piece of legislation that's then uh, passed by both chambers, sent to the governor's desk for signature. That's how laws are made. But in that process, as I mentioned, constituents have an opportunity to not only speak to their elected representative, which I hope to be, but other state representatives who are on those committees that have influence over what bills make it out of that committee and go on to be scheduled to the floor of the house.
5: And this is where I feel like it's important to make sure that we know what the process is. Because we can be lured into one thing or the other thing, but if you don't know that it's this and it's that, and it's this and it's that, and it's this and it's that, and it's a bunch of things, you will think, oh, well, this person's just gonna magically make it all happen. That's not the way this job. That's not the process.
4: But we have platforms. That's why I don't make many promises. I didn't Tell make it a state as chairman. I don't make it a state rep. Because that's when people vote, you say what well, you're committed to do and what you're going to advocate for. But if you, and this is where we differ <laughs> between public service and politicians. If you go in somewhere and you say, we are going, I promise we're going to get Medicaid expansion. I promise that we're going to make sure that that's how you turn people off and they don't want to vote again because you set them up for failure. Both. What we're talking about is what you are committed to advocating for and what you're going to work their butt off to try and accomplish. And I think that's what we have to understand when people that are voting, even the president of the United States, I know people are frustrated with him. His approval ratings are down. But it's the House and Senate that has to pass what he wants to be able to make it happen. You can't do everything by executive order. So that's why we get into trouble of making commitments for what you want to do versus what you promise you're going to do. And when you're in the political process and you're doing the debates, what you promise you're going to do is not always going to happen. But what you're committed to doing, what you're willing to speak for, what you're willing to push and introduce, people, that's what they want to see. And they want to see moving the uh, meter in the direction of progress. I don't like people that make promises because you don't know what is going to happen in the political climate once you get there in the next legislative session.
5: And we know that a lot of lies have been told. So mm. we're not in the business of lying. We're in the business of telling the truth.
2: Joseph, uh, I wish you the very best and I and I am just smiling. I I in some ways listen to you. I I can recall times when I was talking to two Of my mentors down in Beaumont, Calvin Williams and Al Price. Wow, yep. And they would listen to me and they just look at me and laugh and hear all of the crazy shit I was saying and go, uh huh, yeah, okay. (laughs) Because it's in the little things. And I had the opportunity to ask them, um, and I'm asking you, you don't have to answer this, but I will, you know, ask this. What is the one thing that is going to ground you? Because the one thing that both of those guys told me intimately. What it wasn't that they didn't want to do as much as they did. It was the fact that what they saw they might have potential to, we weren't ready for. Exactly. And in fact, the things that were attempted were sometimes fought against. And I don't want, I I mean, I I wish you well, but I want to be, I want to wish you well with realism about this area that you're in. Because you're up against one part of this GOP that's trying to take this last bastion of this area where there, I I, I live in Broward, and we kind of in a similar case. We, this one little area where it's the most Democrats and the most black, we have more numbers. Then what we're able to produce the leadership, uh, equitable lead, leadership to help even move us forward. Both matters in the same way. I don't mind we're talking about any personality or whatever. Let's just face it. Houston is the same way. I used to work politics in Houston. If you ask Al, if you ask Sheila, you ask Boris, you ask Jarvis, I all worked their campaigns. They all, not only do I know them, they all know me. And I look at them and I ask and, and, and I'm scared to ask that question that I asked Calvin and Al, because when I said, what is it that grounded you? It had nothing to do with policy. It, doesn't. it had something to do with trying to move this community that sometimes fought against you. Mm-hmm. So in that, I'm saying, I wish you well And think about that thing that's going to ground you because I tell you, the folk around you are going to change like a whirlwind, young man. Once you get in that seat. And your biggest obstacle is going to be able to help Beaumont and that area in a way that it can because you're going to see it in some ways that it can't. And that's going to be your obstacle. How do you do it? Tell it, like, tell it in a voice like LaDonna who can be just a ratchet as she wanna be. Yes, she is ratchet. <laughs> tell it in the voice of Chris who can speak in a way, but you have got to learn how to lead and let other people speak. Mm-hmm. And when you can do that, people will get with you. That's why yeah. Calvin Williams is on it. That's why Al Price is on it. And I don't know, Joe, but if he did it, that's why he's going to be honored. And that's what we want of our leaders today. It's those that are going to raise the water for all boats. Raise this tide. What are we going to do with this area? Have a vision, not just for Beaumont, have a vision for that area because no one sees Beaumont. They see that area. And if we get people who can get out of the murk and the muddle of this fighting over this nasty-ass years of not being able to understand the city and the opportunity that we have, we need leadership. And if you're going to be that leadership, you got some good shoulders to stand on, but don't let us down. We can't afford that.
5: And not only that, but let me say something, because I'm on the group. We're gonna hold <laughs> your ass accountable. And I don't give a damn. Who, 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 I'm spicy. Hold up, accountable? Oh, who who you hold up, don't nobody else talk. It's my turn. It's my turn. If you lead the shit down the wrong goddamn group, I'm coming for you too. I don't care who it is. Cause y'all know me. I'm representing the group. If he go and say he gonna do so and so and so and so, and we can't count on you, oh, I'm gonna be the main one on this Power Podcast. live, the shit that hit the
4: fan. And what what I want to say, and I think it's it's really
0: yeah, uh, Joe. Would you get guess the last word, please, uh, please? Uh, and and, and we're, gonna, we're gonna close this,
4: we're gonna close this and 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 act right. up, okay? That got to oh. ratchet, yeah, yeah. I want to say, you know, and that's and that's a powerful um, question you posed. Uh, what grounds you and what i will say is that for me i feel an obligation to my family and community um i'm not someone who's a fly by night um you know i love my community enough where i didn't stay in austin i didn't go to houston i took pay cuts i took away i took I, i walked away from opportunities because i thought i had an obligation to continue a legacy of people that put their blood sweat and tears into improving the community And not just people in my family, but people around my family and people that I've grown up with uh, and and seeing some of the unfortunate things that have taken place in this district. uh, I think it does a disservice to our ancestors and the people who have fought before us uh, to not want to do something about it. Uh, And, you know, you know, for me, it's it's personal because, uh, you know, I'm the seventh generation of my family in this county. Uh, we have the eighth generation that was just born a year and a half ago, uh, my nephew, Liam. And to me, each generation should try the best of their ability to improve the circumstances, not only for those who are in their family, those that are their blood, but also their neighbors and people that they're engaged with. Uh, you know, growing up, I did not take full advantage of really the significance in, 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 in of my grandfather, Howard. Uh, I was young. I was dumb. And I was more interested in video games and hanging out with people than I was listening to why it was significant for people to be engaged in the process. Hearing those conversations that so many individuals uh, that have since left us held uh, around me about why they cared about their community. Uh, You know, Dora Nisby's husband, Mr. Nisby, was very involved. The Perkins brothers, Uh, of course, you know, you had... um, Mr. Paul, uh, who passed away, was very involved with the NAACP. Uh, you have uh, Mr. A- uh, Ambrose, uh, who passed away, and, and so many others that I that that it's a long list. Where you know Opelousa, Opelousa me and others that they committed themselves to improve their community. One of those people that's still alive and active is Judge Paul Brown, uh, who is helping me on my campaign, who is who is pouring into me the importance of young people getting involved in the political process and seeing the writing on the wall that if we don't vote our power, how much is gonna be stepped back and taken away? And that's not only with voter suppression tactics and changes to a woman's right to be able to make decisions about her own healthcare, but it also impacts uh, our ability to advocate for one another because once you start peeling away at the progress that's made, you go with the soul of people's tenacity, energy and faith. And once you tap into somebody's faith and you take away from it, you destroy communities. And so we have to make sure that we're staying here and involved. Uh, People like my grandmother, Faye Woodsmall, when she was the first female in the Beaumont Police Department in 76, a a force full of 250 men. It was her as a woman. And then, of course, uh, many of you remember uh, Officer Cole, Eddie Cole and others that were so involved. There was very few of them, but because Mm -hmm. they have the audacity to move forward and do something, to break glass ceilings, to to, to face systems of oppression and to go against the grain and be willing to speak for people rather than special interests, you can make a difference and you see the progress that's been made. Uh, And so again, I think I have an obligation uh, to continue that for my community because I'm grounded with my family and I'm grounded in faith. You know, people always tell me when I say, if I win, They always stop me in the middle of my tracks and say, when you win, you step out on faith, you claim it, you speak to God and you let him know what you want to do. You want his support. You want his grace. You want his blessings. And so, again, for me, it's family and it's faith. And I feel I have an obligation to continue it.
5: Wonderful. Wonderful. And
2: not to undercut that, Joseph, but did you have to step down to
4: run? for Yes. uh, By law, I had to step down. Okay. Unfortunately.
5: Yeah. And let me say this: when he say Eddie Cole, you know that's the same Eddie Cole that's kin to me. My mother was the first black in the Beaumont Municipal Courthouse. We not just playing this. We for real about this. We serious to both of us. That's what we doing together.
0: Oh, well, Joseph Trahan, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you here tonight this evening. And we wish you well from the group and the crew of Knowledge is Power podcast live. And um, we've got a primary coming up on uh, February the 14th, Valentine's Day. We want to invite everyone out to vote. Vote for your favorite candidate. And uh, we just want you to exercise your rights. Vote for the best candidate. That's Just vote for the best candidate for the position. Um, with that and said, Joseph, thank you so much. Uh, God bless you. Our time is up, and uh we've got a show on Tuesday. And let me kind of bring that up right, to kind of give you a heads up on that show. It's it's uh PTSP, uh symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD. Autumn. Uh, yes. <laughs> With, uh, <laughs> I, Trisha, I have it.
5: <laughs> oh hey, Trisha, Trish, you Trish, already know what time it is. We, we, we right? were both
3: on his ass. Trish, we were both
5: on his ass. <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> she, let, she, let what? Let <laughs> it came over something else. <laughs> got football on the mind right now. All, right. all, right. all, right. Y'all, all y'all shit and Y'all know what time it is. Oh, PTSD <laughs> with the. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: did say, I did say PTSD, right? You said P, it's a
3: D. Yeah, it's D, man. Oh, my God.
0: Hey, Trisha. <laughs> Trisha. <laughs> Trisha. Yeah. Trisha. Yes, ma'am.
5: Trisha. <laughs> you just have to keep the group a
1: long time. We're just thinking about e- ESP, huh?
0: we're gonna have she's the post-traumatic made. stress disorder with uh, our guest on Tuesday, Mary Williams, and she's gonna
3: we're gonna try to help. Um, Especially um, in the veteran community, right? Joe, tap right, right. into so, that community. Joe. are looking for the, representation and leadership in that veteran community,
0: right? How, how right. you know, anxiety, depression, how you. to, yeah. how to notice yeah. note that you have it. Uh, so we're gonna have a great talk on Tuesday evening. So John is on the yeah. Power Podcast live at seven on Tuesday. Again, we're all on this, every social media pr- platform. Along with Spotify, Google Play, and the rest. So, God bless everyone. I see you guys so on Tuesday. I'm, I'm going to whoop you butt talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> and
4: feel free to always reach out. Whatever you need, message me, call me, All and I'll right. be there.
2: Okay, hey, Tony, it. if I can do just a quick plug on um, the two minute warning, we're going to be talking about mental health for the entire month of February. Great. Also it's black history. From also, slavery, from slavery yeah. tonight, we're gonna talk
5: mental. And guess what? Health. Right. Slavery has cost us a bit of mental health.
0: Issue. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, we're gonna talk about that and we're gonna talk also, about black history because it's gonna be black history month. So we've got a that's what I was doing in the background. So wait, I didn't what ask you
5: well they're bringing um Mr. Phillips up again. Like he there was oh, yes, a post yes, yes. we been been somebody Mr. Phillips. We still don't have any information. Yeah, no, somebody commented on the, the post that they he was found. And I just want to make sure that everybody's clear that he has not been found and that we're still looking so. for him. not been found. No, he, no, he has said, not been
3: yes, he has not been found. So
0: we're gonna stay on that too as well. So guys, thank you so much. God bless you, and good luck, Joe.
1: Thank you for watching Knowledge is Power Podcast Live. Be sure to like and subscribe to all Knowledge is Power social media pages. Good show, Tom.